Good morning. Morning. Good morning. Oh, and in case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Morning, Truman. Morning, Spencer. <laughs> hey, Pluto. Oh, oh, no, no, no. Hey, oh, he won't hurt oh. you. Get down. Yeah, I know. It's just me. Come on, Pluto. Here's a news flash just then. An aircraft in trouble began shedding parts as it flew over Sea Haven just a few moments ago. Uh -huh. Wow, luckily no one was hurt. But hey, how do you feel today? Mm. <laughs> That's good. You thinking of flying somewhere? Nope. Oh, good. This is Classical Fly with Classical Drive, so why don't you forget about the perils of flying? Settle back and let this music calm you down. Dog fancy, please. Thank you. Good. Thank, Thank you very much. much. Oh, give me a paper there, will you, Errol? Oh, and uh, one of these. The wife loves her fashion mags. That'd be all for you, Truman? That's the whole kit and caboodle. Catch you later. <laughs> yeah. Morning, You go over the hill of a roller coaster and you go down the first big one. That's what that's like for me. It's like, whoa! Exciting times here. Cinema 9 Podcast. Welcome in. It's episode 134. This is going to be mostly focusing on the Truman Show, which is the selection of our guest today from Pop Goes Your World, which is a wonderful show that our guest today does with Chris McBrien. And it's about 
Gen X versus Millennials. And our guest today, Derek Myers, is the Millennial. What's up, Derek? Welcome to the show. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me back. Obviously, uh, it's been a while. Uh, probably about a year or two ago, we did Galaxy Quest. It was a lot of fun. Shit, no. It wasn't two years <laughs> ago. No way. It hasn't been that long, has it? That was a year ago. I think it was last year. It was year. at least a year. Okay. Yeah. But, uh, I appreciate you yeah, having me come back. Uh, on our show, we do a lot of 80s stuff because my partner is stuck in the 80s, and that's sort of half the shtick of our show. And I try and give them uh, pop culture education on newer things. But we tend to skip over the 90s a lot. And that's really my sweet spot because I worked at Blockbuster Video in the, in the late 90s. And so if a movie came out between like 96 and 2000, no matter how good or bad it was, I've probably seen it and probably more than once. We rarely get to do 90s movies. So when you had me on last time, we did Galaxy Quest, one of my 90s favorites. And tonight we're going to do The Truman Show, again, another 90s favorite. So I just, I, I love having the opportunity to come on and talk movies, but especially to hit that, that 90s sweet spot, which... We just don't give enough love on our show. Yay! Right. And Travis and Eric, both of you worked at Blockbuster, Travis, so you could relate to what Derek's saying. I sure can. I I, I, I did my time in the uh, blue and khakis. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so when now let me ask. A, the, the new block a of like uh, shitty movies starring like Melanie Griffith on Friday night. That's how you know you're a Blockbuster employee. <laughs> the, the Casper Van Dien uh, double oh, yeah. feature. The latest yeah. from Casper Van Dien. If you've seen Meet the Deedles, you worked at yeah. Blockbuster in yep, the 90s. Yep, yep. I shelved yep. it many times. Yep. But now let me ask you guys. The new Blockbuster TV series dropped on Netflix. Did you watch it? It's on my list. I haven't done it yet. I will. So I figure I'm the target audience. Like, I worked at right. Blockbuster. I'm a movie guy. I didn't love it. I wanted to, but, like, it's set in the here and now, and it's supposed to be the last Blockbuster, and how do they get people to come back in and rent DVDs? And I thought you've sort of missed the point. And, and the one little <laughs> nitpick I had, I watched two episodes, the little nitpick I had as a former employee, every episode, every shift, they have like eight employees. I'm like, that never happened on the shifts I worked. Yeah. It was two, maybe three on a busy night. So yeah, yeah New Year's Day, we had about yeah. like six. Inventory. Yeah, on your inventory. Yeah, I uh, remember, no, of course. So. I thought the same. I mean, that's partly why I haven't watched it because I was like, I saw that was coming. I'm like, oh, Randall Park, Blockbuster. Then I saw the plot was that it's here and now. And it's a lot. I'm like, oh. Well, then that he kind of fucked up. <laughs> yeah, they have the right pieces. I think they just didn't put them together in the right order. But yeah, I watched two. That mm. was enough. I maybe give it one more, but I honestly don't think I'm getting through the whole thing. Mm. Womp womp. Well, that's not a ringing endorsement. Very yeah. shocking news. I'll have to check that out when I can. I am excited that Derek's here. We're going to talk about, like I said, the Truman Show. That'll be our main event about a half hour in, and we'll dive into the details and find out at the end. Does it hold up or not? That's what we do here. Please check out. Derek's show with Chris McBrien. Pop goes your world. It's a Canadian fun fest, but it's universal for the whole world to enjoy. If you like pop culture, you like movies, you like music, they do fantasy drafts. Uh, I can't wait to see what the results are on the latest one, Derek. You guys did 1987, which I think I got it locked. You, yeah, you did a hell of a job. Uh, uh, Susan Vega aside, I'll skip that, but I thought that was your one error. Uh, not one of the highlights of 87 for me, but... You really hit on the fact that 87 is filled with a lot of great movies. It's a really legendary movie year, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, So for those who haven't haven't found our show or haven't had a chance to listen, we, we uh, once a month we do a fantasy, pop culture fantasy draft. We each pick three movies, three TV shows, and three songs that debuted in the year that we're doing the draft. So the last one was 1987. 
And then we get a 10th pick, just a wild card pick, something that represents you as an individual. And then we have a panel of like, I think it's nine of our listeners who are our panel of judges and they vote who, who drafted the better team. So this was actually our very last eighties draft over this last year. We've done all 10 years of the 19, uh, all 10 years of the 1980s. This was our last one. Uh. And uh, right now, Chris is beating me five drafts to four. So if I manage to carry this one, we'll be tied five, five, which I think is perfect for a show where two guys think they're both the best guys in movies. So uh, yeah, check us out. And at the end of every show, no matter what our topic is, we always do a little bit of trivia. So even if you're just a pop culture person, you want to do a little trivia, just listen to the last five minutes of every episode. So there's something there for everybody. Yeah. Chris is very creative. The, the guys do a great show. I enjoy it. I actually do listen and I think it's fun. So check out Pop Goes Your World wherever you can find podcasts. Uh, Eric is live here too. We're happy to have you here. Are you okay, Eric? Do you want to tell us something? <laughs> I've got this ho-ho here that I'm uh, really wanting to eat, but after the the audio debacle of uh, our horror corner last week, I'm afraid to open it up. I'm gonna yeah. mute myself and eat this. So if I'm if I'm absent for like a minute, I'll be eating this ho ho. Mr. Misophonia wants to eat on the fucking podcast. Mr. No, series. <laughs> Fuck Blockbuster. Get Mr. Misophonia, a guy with chronic misophonia, surrounded by hellish noises. How does he get no, through his day? You you are the one with misophonia, not me. And you're the one that keeps on wanting to eat. Them. Have some sensitivity for all of our listeners who have misophonia and don't want to listen to you chew in their ear. Misophonics are known uh, to be total rude pricks when it comes to their own eating behaviors. Is that a fact? I didn't know. No. I did not know that. You're not just speaking of yourself, sir. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, that was fun. Uh, Travis and Eric did a fun barbarian and uh, cabinet of curiosities analysis. So, it, well, that was fun, Travis. Did you guys enjoy yourselves on that one? Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's, it, it was a fun chance to talk horror, talk new horror. We don't get to do that very often. So we're definitely going to be doing that some more. And if you're listening to us in real time, you might be wondering where the episode that we promised was in your podcast feed, which is our episode on the 25th hour. Bit of an audio uh, issue there, but it is going to get posted in the near future, so look out for that. Yay! Yes, uh, for some reason the file was lost after we finished a raucous episode, Derek, last week. We did 25th Hour, the Spike Lee film, Spike Lee, my yeah. selection. And I haven't seen it uh, since we had the all... theater. <laughs> oh, I'm looking forward to seeing well... if you think it holds up or not. I don't really don't remember it that well. We did a lot of bits about uh. one particular part of the film. This <laughs> Brian Cox plays his father, and <laughs> You just got to hear the episode when it comes out. We do have the YouTube version. That's live. So if you guys want to see that on the YouTube channel, go to Cinema 9, youtube.com slash Cinema 9 pod and check out the uh, 25th hour episode in video form. A lot of laughs about Brian Cox being a father. I'll just leave it at that. I had many, many laughs on that show, and I'm really happy that happened. That was fun. Ah, okay, of course. Oh, Truman Show, the Everything Podcast checking in. All-time classic. Oh, boy. Is it? Or is it? Is it? Or well, is it? Yeah. We're going to... Yeah, that's what we're here to do. We're going to find that out. Of course, cinnamonipod at gmail.com. Send us an email, five-star rating on Apple, and subscribe to the YouTube. All that wonderful stuff. All right, let's dive right into it. Travis, you have control of the board as we move into quarantine viewing picks. What have you been watching? What's great that you want to recommend, and what sucks? Well, <laughs> I don't know that. I, okay, I, I did watch at least one thing that pretty much sucked, and that was 1999's, uh, I guess, Creature Feature Bats. Um <laughs> Can I have Emilio Estevez in it? It, it was Lou Diamond Phillips. Lou Diamond Phillips, Diamond which, Phillips sorry. which is totally why I pulled the trigger. But it's false advertising. It's really um, what's her name, Dinah, Dina. What's her name from Starship Troopers? Is is really Dina the main? Mon 
Dina Meyer? Meyer? That sounds right. Anyways, uh, as someone who actually finds bats cute, this just did not work <laughs> for me as a horror movie at all. And also, they're supposed to be flying foxes, and there's not a flying fox to be found in the damn film. I don't know. It's just... <laughs> Believe it or not, bats from 1999 does not hold up. Uh, there there is a good, there is a good bats horror movie though, and that's The Roost. You got to watch Ty West's The Roost. That's an awesome bat horror movie. They're not cute in that one. They're not cute at all. I will. I I like Ty West, and uh, I will definitely check that one out. Thank you for the rec. I uh, I checked out from this year The Independent because. It's got John Cena in it playing a guy running for president. So obviously I'm going to watch this movie Cena file that I am. It was a bait and switch. He's not really the main character. He's like, uh, you know, and billing, he pops in here and there. And it was Brian Cox again, uh, <laughs> like a passion project, a passion project for him. I literally watched it the next day. I'm like, Oh my God, this fucking guy. I got to like, listen to him like scream and, and go full Lewis black for two hours here. But uh, <laughs> it was, it was okay. No, who am I kidding? It was terrible. Don't watch the independent. <laughs> oh uh, I had a nice kids day on Sunday. I watched the sea beast from this year, which was a decent uh, animated film from the makers of Moana or one of the makers of Moana. And I checked out even better was Wendell and wild. That's new uh, stop motion animation, kind of spooky kids feature with, from Jordan Peele uh, key and Peele actually it was from both of them. Uh, so that was if that's probably the best thing I watched this week other than, oh yeah, I also watched Raymond and Ray because Ethan Hawke and Ewan McGregor, how do you not watch that team up? And the movie was just, I felt like I'd seen it 50 times before. I cannot say to bother watching Raymond and Ray. I, I'm seeing it on oh. some people's best of lists already. I'm like, I don't, I don't get it. It just. You know what's funny about those guys is I always mix them up. Like sometimes when I was younger, I'd think of them and, and their faces would be similar in my mind before I delineated, oh, that's him and that's him. But there was a long time there. Ethan Hawke, Ewan McGregor, very similar to me for some reason. I'm not sure other than the E what it is. It could be partly that, but maybe you're not the only one because, I mean, they played decent brothers together. But, you know, Ewan McGregor, McGregor never quite pulls off an American accent, in my opinion. Oh, I always hear it <laughs> under there. So, him, him, you know, you can't like your 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 brother somehow has a British accent. And you don't like. I don't get it. <laughs> Gandhi from nineteen eighty two showed it sure. to my uh, students. Uh, they were bored as shit. They asked if we could watch something <laughs> <I> else. <bet>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Did you buy like VHS? Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> it was a grainy, extra grainy of it, a version. No, I mean that's the, obviously still a great movie. Uh, but I think the favorite, my favorite thing I saw this week, even though I texted you guys excitedly about it, and as soon as I did, it kind of started to deflate on the second half of it. Uh, but weird, the Al Yankovic story, you know, it's 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 written by him, and it stars Daniel Radcliffe, and it is funny. Does it wear out its welcome a little bit and kind of start to wear down in the second half? Yeah, but dude, I was laughing my ass off for much of it. If you have any remote interest in Al, Weird Al at all. You need to see this movie. Oh, wow. I saw the trailer, like I said, a couple months ago, and I was like, oh, my God, this is a parody. I mean, it's L. So is he act? was he actually succumbed by the lifestyle of a rock star, or is it a joke? Because, you know, I don't know. I can't wait. I can't tell. wait to dive in. I know. I but, can't wait to dive in. I'm very excited. First, this is the first film, really, that he's had a hand in because he wrote the script. Since UHF. So if you like yeah. UHF, you probably should watch this. Okay. I'm all over that. By the way, the Everything Podcast says, if you want to get in some newer films, I'd like to hear if you guys liked Don't Worry, Darling. 
I thought it was solid. Has anyone seen this newer film? Not yet. Not in a rush. Just hit HBO Max. I'm interested, but I'm I'm hearing mixed things. Everything podcast. So yeah, maybe I will check it out. Hmm. Okay. Well, Eric, uh, you are now in control of the board. What have you been watching? <laughs> uh, the Good Nurse on Netflix. I hit play oh. immediately when I saw Eddie Redmayne and Jessica Chastain, who, of course, I would watch do laundry for twelve straight hours. It was very um, sleepy. Like it was very sleepy, especially for like a serial killer movie, because the film's about Charlie Cullen, who, who just murdered massive amounts of patients in the early two thousands. Is that in Germany? I believe it was right here in the U.S. Oh, okay, uh, maybe he was okay, yeah, never on, mind. on the um, West Coast. But uh, yeah, gr- fantastic acting by Eddie Redmayne. Like Jessica Chastain just like looks at stuff the entire movie. Um, but yeah, uh, very creepy story, um, that I recommend, uh, nicely, delicately directed by this guy, Tobias, something or other. I dug it, man, especially just for dropping on Netflix. Um, I stayed on Netflix for this center. I've I've been talking about the center for a couple of years with you guys. Nobody's, nobody's talking about this show. It's a solid, uh, police procedural starring Bill Pullman and no one talks about it every season, except this last one has been good. Um, so if you were into the first three seasons, watch it. Cause it is sadly the last, but, uh, I mean, Bill Pullman, you can't go wrong. I love Bill Pullman. Um, okay. Mate, you can love him. <laughs> I, I, oh yeah. Openly. I don't have any problems. What's Bill Paxton or Bill Pullman? Who you got? Okay. There's no contact. We actually said that. I said, I've said to my wife, would you take, um, would you let Bill Pullman die and, and get to get Bill Paxton back? Ooh. And she's like, yeah. And then we were talking I, about what bill we would sacrifice to get Bill Paxton back. And we both settled on Billy Baldwin. I mean, we all love oh, that draft, no. but do we need Billy fair Baldwin? Trade. Yeah. That's um, a you know, fair we're getting trade. the better end of that trade, yeah. I'm sorry, but I'm a Pullman. So yeah. I'm going I'm, I'm <laughs> to go with pack. Bill. Wow, okay. Pullman oh, yeah, diner always, cars? I always preferred Bull Pill, Bill, Bull, Bull pill Man. <laughs> Bull Pill Man. <laughs> <laughs> here that's his adult film star doppelganger oh, Dang. That makes sense. yeah tell me about it. um <laughs> dr doolittle from 1998 for some reason i hit play i saw eddie murphy's face and i'm like man i love eddie murphy how bad can this be i liked it i liked it terrible. this is kind of cute um but yeah i have no interest in the sequel don't don't now yeah, no. uh, now i had to think long and hard today about whether or not i was going to mention that i watched this and I have to do it. I have to follow my heart and report on this. Uh, Travis, you might want to grab a bathroom break because I did watch Matt Walsh's documentary. What is a woman on uh, some weird ass website? You did. I got oh. curious. I got curious. I've been reading around. I got curious. I mean, there's some interesting stuff in it there. It's, it's not overloaded with like disgusting diatribes from Matt Walsh, who I looked further into and I don't care for this guy. But there's some interesting yeah. stuff, especially if you work with children that people genuinely should know about. And it lets you kind of form your own debate on this issue. So, yeah, it's kind of a curiosity in terms of a documentary. But, um, yeah, other than that, man. I'm just, glad you, I'm just glad you didn't, that you didn't watch 20,000 Mules. Mm. Um, that's a joke that I'm getting, at least. <laughs> <laughs> Dinesh D'Souza, nothing? Okay, anyway. Move on with your life. Oh, I didn't see that be, one. Yeah. Be grateful that you don't know what I'm talking about, I guess is what I'm saying. So grab another ho ho. Ignorance is bliss. On. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let me get back to my ho ho's here. He's <laughs> muting himself for food. Thank you, Eric. That's wonderful. Oh, we got the porno people in here. I got to kick them out. They get in the live chat sometimes. Uh, for me, 
See you later, porn bots. Uh, Matt Wilson wanted to know, anybody catch the new season of Manifest on Netflix, which is a show I remember they pushed a lot when it first came out. Like It was a huge, huge promotional push, and I was like, I didn't watch it. It looked like a lost reimagining. Right. Yeah, looked like it lost very much on the beach, mystery. It felt like a lesser version of Lost. I think I watched the first five or six episodes, and I'm like, when it was on real TV, and then I was I was out. But I know some people that watch yeah. it and enjoy it. I'm not one of them. Huh. Sorry. <laughs> I always do like it when Netflix like picks up a show that got canceled and yeah. keeps it running. I respect that at least. Well, like Lucifer, yeah, the last I, couple seasons of Lucifer on Netflix were fantastic. Definitely yeah. a step up from what it had become, in my That's opinion. Cool. Mm. Ooh. Well, sorry, Matt. We love you. You know, you're always going to be our road dog, but I have not seen it. And uh, I actually was perusing Netflix last night and I intentionally went past it. So. <laughs> I don't know what that says. Okay. I don't know what that says about me. If I got a problems, lot, but I do have problems. Actually, to be human is to be fallible. But you guys already know that on the Cinema. Yes. On the Cinema Night podcast. We're here live, of course. Our special guest today, Derek Myers from Pop Goes Your World. I'll mention what I have watched real quick and then we'll give Derek the floor. Uh, you know, I had, went to Arizona, so I was on a flight each way, and on Delta, they show movies, and I was, I like to watch what other people are watching. I find that interesting, <laughs> and I watched this woman in front of me. She watched a movie until its very end, and now I can't believe I'm forgetting it. I watched her. Oh, my God, I can't believe I'm spacing out on it now. Good story, Mike. Isn't that embarrassing? weird. Yeah, what a hell of a story. We're good yeah. at this game. Just give us some clues. Uh, Who was in it? Yeah, right? like, You're talking to the, the right three guys for this. Yeah. I spied yeah, on my it was fellow Owen. passengers. <laughs> yeah. It was the one with uh, that guy Odin. and the kid at the place. Yeah. You know, I feel like it was a rom-com with Owen Wilson that was... I had seen it before, so I'm like, oh, that movie. And I kept staring at her screen a lot oh, while she watched Mer it. Was it with Jennifer and, uh, Lopez? No, it wasn't was that Marley one. Was with the dog? Was no, it wasn't uh, that one either. You, you go through his whole three? IMDb. You be the free <laughs> no, drill bit trailer behind enemy oh, lines. I love those. Wonder. <laughs> Wonder. I didn't see that one. No, like I said, it was what I saw, so it was none of those. I have seen drill bit Taylor, and I'll tell you, it wasn't bad. I mean, right. you might think it's terrible, but John Hughes, yeah, it was decent. Yeah, it wasn't terrible. Anyways, I like to snoop around and see what people are watching. And other than that, I saw people watching that Top Gun movie. Which so I sat in the emergency exit, Super. so there's no. I don't get, yeah, I'll pay extra for that legroom. It's worth it to me. I don't fly as often, so I want to be comfortable. And uh, I don't have a screen, though, in front of me, so I couldn't watch Top Gun. And I feel like I'm the last person in North America. Derek, have you seen Top Gun Maverick? Yeah, we went out and saw it in the theater and IMAX, like, the first weekend, and I was glad I did. I loved it. I thought it was great. I, I, I thought I, it gave yeah. us exactly what I cool. expected it to give us. Amazing. Yep. I think that's why Amazing. I haven't seen it. <laughs> this is what I've been telling people. <laughs> It, so the Force Awakens is to Star Wars as Top Gun Maverick is to Top Gun. Oh, well, you're not telling me. It's like a parallel story for with the new generation slumped in over top of it, but it still hits a lot of the exact same beats of the first one. So if you like the first Top Gun, you're probably going to like this. But if you did not care for the first one, I don't know if you're going to find enough to like in this new one. Mm, just my, okay. just my That's thoughts it. on that. No, that makes a lot of sense. I'm going to dive into that maybe, but I feel like I'm the last person who hasn't seen it, and now it's old news, and pretty soon spoilers will start leaking out, and I'll, I'll know what happens. It'll ruin everything for me. Uh, but I, um, 
I didn't get a chance to watch anything on the plane, but I watch other people watch their movies, which I can't remember, which bums me out now. So I feel bad about that. Um, I will tell you this. On the flight back, I flew Frontier, and I will never do that ever again. They don't even have outlets. They don't even have an outlet for one outlet for your seat. Forget TVs or even a tiny screen. That doesn't exist even in, like, the high-class seats. It's real bottom of the barrel, and I learned the hard way. So I had to sit out and look through a window at the world for, like, two hours. What a nightmare. <laughs> with your thoughts? Terrible. Just you? Yes. Alone with them? Yes. Oh no distractions, God. no podcasts, no streaming, <laughs> no video games. Can you imagine the horror? I mean, the horror. So that was lame. I went back and watched 24-Hour Party People, which is a fun Ooh. little romp with my guy, one of my personal faves, Michael Winterbottom is a director I enjoy. He's an Englishman. Uh, he's done the trip. He, he did a lot of work with Steve Coogan. Steve Coogan. And... 24-Hour Pottery People is great. It's basically about Manchester in the late 70s into the 80s, and it's about this guy, Tony, uh, what's-his-face, who basically, he he owned the Hacienda, which was a hot club back when New Order became New Order after Joy Division died because Ian Curtis died. That's actually part of the story. Spoiler alert, Ian Curtis killed himself, and uh, Joy Division was a beautiful band, but they went on to become New Order. It's a, it's a, it's a fascinating story because it's totally true, and it's so, so rare for a band to be something that was pretty legit, lose your lead singer who dies, and then become something even more. That's a that's a really unheard of story. And I just, they don't tell it in a formulaic, uh, straight out of Compton type way, which was basically a Wikipedia of the movie, Wikipedia article of the movie. That's what straight out of Compton was to me. Uh, still entertaining, but yeah, not that great. 24-hour potty people has a lot of, you know, they break the fourth wall, and Steve Coogan's great. I just love what he does, so... I strongly recommend if you never saw it, it's called 24-Hour Party People, and it's about, like, you know, Manchester music in England, late 70s into the 80s. It's good stuff. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. I Sunday, I think it was Sunday night when I had a hotel and I was going to fly back the next morning from Arizona. I caught a I'm Gonna Get You Sucker was on HBO. I watched that, and uh, I laughed. It's a funny movie. Oh, yeah. I love Keenan Ivory Waynes. Yeah, it's it's good stuff. It's, it's, it's black exploitation parody done right, and... He only got better from there. So if you never saw that, check that out. That's fun. And uh, that's pretty much... Oh, and I checked out a show. It's not a movie. Alan Partridge. Hi. Hello, I'm Alan Partridge. You guys ever seen yeah. this show? Anybody? No, but you're on a Coogan kick. I know that much. Yeah, that's that's what I did. I watched that. And I was like, you know what? I've heard about the show I'm Alan Partridge that Steve Coogan did. It's British television. I think it was back in 97. The only thing that sucks about it, it's funny and he's funny, but it has a laugh track and it just really doesn't fit the show in my mind. It's like a really, really horrible laugh track that is so constant that it ruins it. It takes me out of the show. It's funny, but that laugh track sucks. So that's my... Negative commentary on I'm Alan Partridge. All right, let's turn it over. Derek Myers here is live as our very special guest. He's our little buddy, and he's got something to share. What have you been watching lately? You always talk about it when you do Pop Goes Your World, so I'm sure yep. you've got something to offer us. Oh, I have a whole bunch of something, so I'll, I'll try and be mindful of your clock and not run it down too much. All right, I'll start with a couple of big blockbusters that I've had a chance to recently revisit this week. Uh, I had a chance to watch Avengers Infinity War with a buddy of mine who had never seen it before. So that was a good Ooh. opportunity to revisit it and then sort of watch him watch the movie. So that was kind of fun. Um, also, for about the 10th time in the last three months, I watched the movie Free Guy, which is just in constant rotation on uh, on HBO. And I love it. I think it's great. And every time it's on, I just throw it on. And I had a chance to watch it yet again this week. And I I loved it. So I was very, uh, very excited to I haven't have seen a chance it. to watch that. 
Has anyone seen that real quick? I'm just curious. Yeah. Yeah, so it's enjoyable, but I haven't been in a rush to revisit. But I certainly got a kick out of it. Yeah, it's it's sort of got a, a lot of middle of the road reviews from from you know very respectable reviewers. But I think the fans that that like it really like it, and that's definitely the camp I'm in. All right, so then now let's get on to some of the more uh, unusual picks. So we already talked a little bit about Weird the Al Yankovic story, which I also had a chance to watch and I also enjoyed. Uh, I also regrettably knew that it was going to be a parody coming in. Uh, I normally don't watch movie trailers, but. Well, why are you telling us? Why are you telling well, us? <laughs> yeah, but I, I deliberately went out of my way to not tell him that. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> don't worry. We'll uh, pick that great. post. It was so. great. And my wife had no clue. And it took her about 40 minutes to sort of catch on. And uh, yeah, we thought it was really good. So I really enjoyed it. Uh, and I'm definitely going to want to watch it again. Not right away, but probably the yeah. next month or two. Um, I had a chance to watch a couple of older movies. One really, really old movie. Let's start with that. I had never before ever seen, but I finally had a chance to watch this week on Turner Classic Movies, A Night at the Opera, the Marx Brothers. Huh. Who I'm on this sure. podcast has seen that before? I'm sure Eric has, right? I'm sure he has. Night no, at the Opera? I, 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 I'm not a huge Marx Brothers person. I like Duck Soup, and I kind of gave up after that. That was a Three Stooges day. <laughs> yeah, I'm sort of We're a guy come lately to the Marx yeah. Brothers. Um so I'm sort of slowly as I see their movies come on the, the Turner classics, I record them. So I enjoyed it. Uh, it definitely, uh, the way I was describing it to somebody today was there are a number of like funny sketches in the movie. And then they, they, it's almost like they, uh, and I don't know if this is true, but it, it seemed like they conceived of the sketches first and then went, how do we weave a story around these sketches? And that's sort of how it felt. I don't know if that's exactly how they did it, but that's certainly how it felt based on how a lot of stuff comes together today. And the mm. the, the parts that are like the sketches were amazing. The whole thing mm. was good, but I wouldn't say like A plus A plus like a lot of people do, but it was worth a watch. As a film guy, I felt they sort of owed it to myself to watch sure. it. So yeah, I, 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 again, I, I don't think I'm going to rewatch it, but. I remember watching Duck Soup and like being anxious the entire time I watched it and kind of ascribing it to like just being mercilessly attacked by like idiots like in surrounding me just like <laughs> fucking with me like cutting my tie off and like smacking me in the face and like making my life a living hell so i'm watching it and i'm like god this sounds horrible for everybody but the marx brothers <laughs> <laughs> nice um had a chance to watch a movie from the mid 80s with uh sean penn and christopher walken called at close range oh dude now now you're speaking my language amazing i vaguely remember seeing it as a teenager but not really remembering the details just remembering the madonna soundtrack and so again it was on i watched it i i didn't really know what to expect everyone's so young in that movie chris penn bro yeah the, the sean, sean penn and chris penn actually played brothers in the movie which was awesome uh it was good i really enjoyed it it, it again it, it's it's sort of rough topics it's about um a family of criminals and and the problems that they have both as a family and as criminals but uh no it was good i really enjoyed it. i mean when you get christopher walken and sean penn in a movie even early in their career you're still getting a really good movie like even a movie with for them that's a mediocre movie is going to be better than a lot of people's best movies so i was glad i had a chance to visit that um i watched a movie on amazon prime this week from i want to say it's 2014 it's called after the dark so let me ask you so step back before we step forward have you ever heard of those exercises, team building exercises, where they say there's eight people in a lifeboat, decide who gets to stay in the lifeboat. Cause there's only room for six. The movie is basically that kind of a premise. 
it's 20 students that are taking like a psychology class and it's the last day of class and the teacher gives them this exercise. And he says, everybody draw an occupation from the fishbowl and it's a little page with an occupation on it and read it out. And it goes, okay, there's a nuclear bunker and the bombs are falling and only 10 of you can go in the bunker, figure it out. And then, so it's a series of, of these exercises repeated over the course of the movie with these same students who constantly play the same, like the one woman plays a doctor. And then when they go through it each time, they get more information about the person that they are playing to try and mess with why you would or wouldn't have them in the bunker. And so it, I really like that kind of thing just fascinated me. It was, it didn't have anybody really famous in it that I recognized. It had like two or three people who were in the Harry Potter movies as like second and third tier people. So you sort of go, Oh, I sort of recognize that person. But uh, just the concept I thought was really good. It runs about an hour and a half. And uh, yeah, I've been recommending it to people all week. It's on Amazon Prime. Check it out. It's called uh, After the Dark. So that's uh, that's pretty much. Oh, I got and I got a document. That's my shtick. I always watch a documentary every week. That's right. For those uh, as Americans, you may not be aware. But in Canada in the 80s, there was a band called Doug and the Slugs that were a pretty big deal. And so there was a documentary that was put out recently called Doug and the Slugs and Me. (laughs) <laughs> and so the guy who was the main singer for Doug and the Slugs, he had a, a three children and the documentary is done by one of his daughter's best friends who basically grew up with the family and, and sort of saw everything firsthand as she was growing up. And then you find out that the, the singer was like a huge alcoholic and he had all these other issues and, but it's, mm-hmm. it's sort of juxtaposed against his, his growing fame as a musician, but mm-hmm. growing only as much as Canada would allow it. He never really broke into the U S he never really got into the European markets but it's uh, if you're Canadian uh, and you know who Doug and the Slugs are, it's a pretty decent doc, um, and it, it peppers through all of his music stuff, and you 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 learn about how um, like his business acumen that even though he was a singer and a songwriter, he was also really good on the business side of it. So it was kind of fascinating. So anyway, it was called Doug and the Slugs and Me. I watched it on the documentary channel here in Canada. So something you may be interested in, maybe not if you if you're familiar with the band. So those are my picks. Those are my quarantine viewing picks. Now that we're out of quarantine. Yay! Yeah, I listen to the show. I know. <laughs> you do. Absolutely you do. I know Travis Travis really appreciates that because nothing bothers him more when guests who don't listen oh, to our show. There are many things that bother <laughs> me more. But uh it's what always weirds me out is to learn something like that. Like there's this huge artist that somehow I've just never heard of before. It's, I mean, because you think of can like, you know, I I know who bare naked ladies are. I'm aware of tragically hip. I'm, I'm yeah. you know, things, some stuff. Creeps over it, Doug and the Slugs. I have to check. Oh, we out. know. Uh, uh, I wouldn't say huge. It, uh, like I wouldn't say huge with a capital H. But they no. were big. They had a lot of hits. Big they, enough. They were through the whole '80s. They put a lot of albums. I would sort of put them on the same tier, maybe as like Glass Tiger. Maybe Glass Tiger probably broke into the U.S. a little bit. And I see you all shaking your heads, going, "We don't know who that is either." I have no I idea. Don't. <laughs> I like to think I know things about music, but I guess not Canadian. Oh, you do, music. you do. I mean, we know broken social scene. We know Canadian indie stuff, yeah, and sure, yeah, I mean, so. they, they definitely crossed over, though. Yeah, what's that? Oh, by the way, Travis, maybe you'll know this. What's that record label that I think is Canadian that they would be connected with? You know what I'm talking about? I think like Feist was a part of it and all that stuff. I don't. Maybe I'm making that up in my head, but <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure. You know what I'm I know, talking I know about, though? Not, is it arts and crafts? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I was thinking craft. It was craft something. I'll take it for now. If somebody has the actual answer, if we got it wrong, then you could correct us by emailing the show, cinema9pod at gmail.com. By the way, uh, you may have me thinking there, Mr. Myers, that 
Uh, it's Oscar season now. It's November. Uh, we're starting to get to that time of year. Travis, yeah, you getting excited? I yeah, I, I, I guess. There, I can't really think <laughs> of much that's coming out that I'm super geeked about. The Whale. Um, yeah. The new, the Nick Cage mm. vampire movie, mm. whenever that comes out. Spielberg's but, uh, thingy. Yeah. What's that? The, yeah. the Fablemans. Yeah, the yeah. Fablemans. I'm excited for that, I suppose. But Oh, dude. Am I, am I did missing? you guys know... Almost Famous is a musical now. It's on Broadway. Did you guys know this? No. No. It just came out, apparently. I, I listened to, I was listening to Camera Crow on Bill Simmons' podcast the other today, and it's a musical, of course. Almost Famous Musical is now on Broadway, and that was like, it just blew my mind. I thought, That's cool, I guess, but I'm wondering how it would go. I like a lot of, like, someone's playing the Philip Seymour Hoffman character, is like singing in a really ornery, kind of pissed off way, yeah. all of his lines, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I don't know about that one. I'm sure I mean, it's musical. Okay. Yeah. So that was news to me. But yeah, well, oh, emergency alert in Ontario. There's an update for you, Derek. I just got that yeah, in my I got phone. It. I so. muted it. <laughs> Look at that. We're connected, Canadians. All right. I was right in yeah. and then I muted it. I made sure to keep well, I mean, it on mute. So I didn't I'm doing, a, yeah. podcast. I'm doing then, a podcast. I can't be out there alert to the world's problems right now. I'm sorry. I, didn't take her. I, I tell you right now, I, I, I'm okay, not good. involved. Good man. Uh, Travis, real quickly, too. Uh, new Black Panther. Are you going to hit that in the theaters? What's your deal? I, I I can't believe I didn't buy my ticket already. I, I usually right. uh, will be on top of that. Uh, but, yeah, I'll be there this weekend. I mean, uh, I usually would be out there on a Thursday night. I just kind of dropped the ball on this one, I guess. I don't know what. I mean, I, I was thinking about it earlier today. I'm like, why am I? I was actually hoping you wouldn't ask me because I'm like, <laughs> how do I explain how I'm not excited for this? But I think the only thing I can come up with is that it's there's no Chadwick Boseman. I just... I know that it's supposed to be really good. I haven't seen any of the previews, but everyone says it looks awesome. And I'm sure it's going to be really good. I really am sure, but it's just hard to drum up enthusiasm because I know he's not in it. You know, I mean, there'll be a flashback. It'll be on the big screen. That'll be cool to see him on the big screen. But you know, I'm going Fair. tomorrow right after work, five o'clock. Oh, that's what that's what I usually would do, but I just yep. dropped the ball. So, Derek, you're a bi you're a big Marvel guy. You comic book guy. Do you feel the same way as Travis? Or you, I know you're gonna go see it. And you're excited, but do you feel like it's kind of a bummer now because we lost a great actor and uh, it well, just certainly that, hurts. that plays into it. But I mean, for my from for me, Marvel has my money. I've been a comic yeah. nerd all my life, <laughs> and if it's got the Marvel stamp on it, I'm I'm gonna see it. The, the proper MCU I'll see in the theater, and all those other crappy. Venom and those spinoffs that are not part of the official real Marvel Universe. I'll just wait till they're on HBO or home cinema or something. Yeah, they're they're not usually that good. But I also I, I go I take painstaking efforts to not watch the trailers for these Marvel films because I find Ooh, they just give away so 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 much. Like I was same. so pleasantly surprised with the Spider-Man movie because I didn't know anything going into it. And when like big things happened, my wife and I are the only ones in the theater geeking out. Everyone else was looking at us like, well, this was in the trailer. And it's like, I didn't watch the trailer. This is why yeah. I, I want to enjoy the movie in the moment. Context. So, yeah. It's a great thing in film. So, so I, I really, and I don't know a lot about where this Black Panther franchise is going. Not a yeah. character I was all that familiar with before the first movie. So it's like, for me, this is going to be all new ground, but they did such a good job with the first one. I, I'm giving them all the faith and all the money and I'm going to see it. I'm going to see it either way, but I, I really, this is the first Marvel movie in a long time. I have high expectations that they're going to do well and that I absolutely expect them to hit my expectations. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's well, well said, No, by Derek. this time tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Hey, I know right now Eric's like, can we stop this madness? Turn it off. No more Marvel talk. 
And I understand that Disney has our money. I'll give you some DCEU talk. I got some talk about James Gunn taking over as CEO of development. Uh, Is that true? Yeah, Yeah, he's he's going to be green lighting or denying all future projects in that universe. Uh, No shit at all. You're not. (laughs) No. What? I don't want want to have his sardonic, grim, bullshit, jokey style. Like I got a feeling they're all just going to be his. Like glib, dark, cheeky. Well, he's not writing that. nonsense. Well, he, he, he's. I wanted that series to go into a lighter direction, and it's. I don't. I don't see it going that way. Well, the problem over there is that I mean, it, what series? It's still a splintered universe because I don't think that he's overseeing the Matt Reeves stuff, the the Penguin TV show, and all that. Like, oh. I don't. I don't think. Don't quote me on that. But I mean, even if he is, like. They're still diverse universes, so it's like, what are you doing over there? You, you fucking, <laughs> you dropped it all, and you put. It's like you dropped your school project and put it back together hastily as you walked into the classroom. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. That is, that's a new analogy. I don't think I've ever heard that one, Trev. That's good. Very good. Thank you. Well, look, uh, yeah. Also, Black Adam's been out too, right? I haven't seen that yet. That's terrible not a reviews. Thing. Come on, bad yeah. reviews. Waiting for video. Yeah. Ooh. Wait for DCU. HBO Max on that one. Yeah, I was gonna say, can okay. you still say waiting for video? Like I'm really I'm waiting for it to <laughs> yeah. video. We know what it means. We know what it means. Blockbuster people know what it means. We'll keep that wait, alive. It's wait fine. for VHS. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> rewind, rewind. Don't forget to rewind that tape. It's a 50 cent charge. That's the second VHS reference with the Gandhi double tape reference earlier, Eric. So here we go. We're on a roll today. We're Movie taking jokes. it back. Yeah, we're going back in time. Gotta get back. All righty, it's time to get into it. Derek Myers has selected a movie from 1998, which, frankly, I told people this on the show at the very end yesterday. Derek, I was I was hoping it would go in a different direction with the other movie you were thinking about. We'll do but... that one next time, Mike, for sure. Okay, great, cool. Assuming uh, I would you love for that. Back. <laughs> of course, we'll Derek, you're part. Goes. <laughs> yeah, you're the yeah. Hey, nobody gets judged for their movie preferences here. I mean, you will be judged, but you'll never be excommunicated. You're always okay. gonna be a part of what we got going on here at Cinema Nine. You do Pop Goes Your World. It's a great show, and people need to know that. So let's dive into the Truman Show, 1998 film, directed by one of the masters of film himself. None other than Mr. Peter Weir. 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 Mr. Peter Weir. Sorry, Where? I don't know why I said that. Where? Where? Let's go now. I'm ready to go now. Why what? wait? Early bird gathers no moss. Rolling Stone catches the worm, right? <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> Truman! Where shall we go? Where shall we go? Truman, where are we going? Well, we know. I guess I'm being spontaneous. Oh. <laughs> Somebody help me! I'm being spontaneous! Truman! <laughs> Forget Fiji. Can't very well drive to Fiji, can we? No. <laughs> what about Atlantic City? Oh, no. You hate to gamble. That's right, I do, don't I? So why would you want to go there? Because I never have. That's why people go places, isn't it? Truman? I think I'm going to throw up. Me too. Locked at every turn. And uh, starring Jim Carrey, of course. <laughs> Laura Linney's in this movie. Ed Harris. We got a whole truckload of people that are involved in this film. And it's from 1998, which is the year that all three of us graduated high school. Me, Travis, and Eric. So... Uh, there might be a story here, Travis. Do you remember the first time you saw The Truman Show? No. 
<laughs> you can tell we set that up pre-show. We clearly practiced that. Yes. I no, I don't remember. I remember the media blitz of the ad campaign. I remember that I saw it in theaters. I, I certainly wasn't what I it wasn't what I waited for. I mean, by that point, he was fresh off of Liar Liar and Cable mm-hmm. Guy, which I was a really big fan of both of those movies. And this looked like even more of a, a departure. Um, from what he had been doing. So I was definitely on board. Like it, I, I know I saw it in theaters and was pretty blown away. I just don't remember the moment of my life, you know? Yes. Okay. Well, Hey, I took a shot in the dark. This is what we yeah. do. We always go back in time and we recall the first time we saw the film we're focusing on. So Eric, do you remember your first viewing of the Truman show? I had high expectations because of Andrew Nichol. I uh, loved Gattaca and I was, I was feverishly oh. anticipating his next movie. Then when I found out he was teaming up with Peter Weir, I was like, I, I'm going to be in the theater on opening night. Um, I loved it. Yeah, I loved it, man. I was blown away. And this was, I, I remember driving to the theater, hoping that it would be good because I very, very vividly remember thinking that 1998 was a shitty year for movies. And I had been waiting for a good movie to come out that year. Godzilla. What's also funny uh, is I uh, I did not learn that Andrew Nichol wrote this movie until about three hours ago. Wow. Yeah. Neither did I. <laughs> I, okay. I just never. I mean, I don't think it's really like the credits are a big moment, like a big thing in the movie. And I just somehow just always just thought Peter Weir and never looked at the writer. Makes a lot of sense. Now, I didn't know that either, Travis. We did Gattaca. So if you want to go back and check out our Gattaca episode, you can go back into the files of our Cinema 9 history. For me, I don't remember the first viewing either, Travis. It's it's a movie that's so, uh, I don't know, it's just ubiquitous in a way. It's just everywhere. It's hard for me to really pinpoint the first time I saw it. I've seen it a lot. I even showed it when I was a teacher in my psychology class. We talked about, you know, oh, what's the deal here? Is this real? What's real? You know, all that. Jim Carrey's really, Dave. Yeah. All this really surface, half-assed bullshit psychology effort that I'm mailing in while I'm getting high every day and teaching people's children. That really happened. So, yeah. I, you know, mistakes were made, but I've learned the lessons from that. So, Scrum sure. Show, still a good movie to show to the kids to help them understand the world as it is today. Uh, so, I saw it. I've seen it a billion times. That's what I remember. Derek, do you remember the first time you saw The Truman Show? Uh, I don't remember the exact viewing experience, but I do remember at the time, it came out right around the time another similar movie called Ed TV came out. And they had very, they had very similar premise. This was a yep. time where like, there was two everything. There was Armageddon and Deep it. Impact, and there yep. was Ed TV and Truman Show. And there was like mm-hmm. four or five yeah. instances of that where two movies that had very, very similar premises were coming right. out within like a month or two of each other. Dude, Volcano and Dante's Peak. That's the pretty- other yeah! one. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So I do remember <laughs> the hype around Ed TV and Truman Show and, and going to see both of them within you know the month or two of when they came out. Uh, enjoying this one a lot more, but definitely, um, you know, they're obviously different movies. They're different enough <laughs> that they made two different two movies, but they yeah. do tread on some of the same ground. And so it was just interesting to see some of that topic and some of that that um, that material presented and viewed in a slightly different way, depending on how they wanted to tell the story. So I, I always, in my mind, sort of those two are, are paired together, uh, for better or worse. <laughs> Ed TV. Yeah, I mean, I've definitely seen the Truman Show way more times than Ed TV. I think I've only seen Ed TV like maybe <laughs> two or three times. Truman Shocking. Show got to be over ten, probably Shocking. closer to fifteen. Yeah, that's stunning. Stunning information there, Derek. Uh, yeah, I think that's universal truths. Uh, by the way, 
1998, Big Lebowski came out. So, yeah. I mean, even though I never see it in the theater, I mean, it became part of our life, but I didn't. 98, got to get Yes. Yeah, see, there you go. I just uh, wanted to refute what Eric was saying. There's some, yeah. It's a pretty good year for film, I feel like. What, what year was American Beauty? Was that 99? Yeah, it was the next 99. year. Yep. Right. Yep. 99, uh, talk to some people in the know, by the way. They say it's the greatest year for movies ever. That's good been year. a common uh, I, trope, I in my opinion. That discussion. See, there you go. Derek Byers, and he really knows. All right, know. so the rating on IMDb, we always do the rating. I'm going to guess... Ooh. That it's a Truman Show. It's very popular. People love it. It's got to be high sevens. I'm going to say it's a seven point eight. What do you guys want to wager? I'm going to I'm going to break the barrier. I'm going to say it's eight point one. Oh, wow. wow! Wow! I think the guys are high. Yeah, I think uh, you're both I'm high say as well. Seven point five. <laughs> I'm going to even go less than that. I'm going to go seven point four. Although Whoa. I like it a lot, I don't think it wow. it's has been has has been received that well. Well, you are wrong. Travis nailed it, basically. It's an 8.2. Wow. Holy shit. People fucking love this movie, dude. I know. Every time it ever comes out, people love it. 7.8 was... Whoa. Yeah, I thought that was a safe call, but I'm not surprised by that at all. This movie, like I said, very, very popular. So, 8.2 on IMDb. I'm sorry, but I also have to do a quick victory lap because I'm usually so fucking off on these things. I'm so bad at this. (laughs) I never get it close. I'm really excited for myself. There you go. Round of applause for you, buddy. It's your big moment. I I you know movies. You finally know movies. There we go. Validation. I I think this is the equivalent of that uh, stopped clock being right twice a day. Validation, do you, boyo? All right, so the Truman <laughs> Show, 95% from the critics, not surprising. And the audience, slightly behind, but not far, 89% on Rotten Tomatoes. So there's wow. general agreement. It's a great film. From the critics, as we go back in time, hopefully we get some Destin Thompson on this one and all our Good. favorites from back in the day. Peter Good Travers. R- yeah. Goody Coons? I bet he... I'm sure Goody Coons wrote about this. <laughs> Peter Travers of Rolling Stone said, Once Upon a Time, The Truman Show finds a near-miraculous balance of humor and feeling in the keen intelligence of the script by Andrew Nichol and the prodigal inventiveness of Dead Poet Society director Peter Weir at his very best. Prodigal. So, yeah. Glowing. That's very Glowing. Uh, I always read Ann Horder Day. Uh, the Truman Show is a movie and the name of a television show within the movie. <laughs> okay. Both of which star Jim Carrey. That's all true, Ann. This tidy little metaphysic is superbly maintained throughout Peter Weir's flawlessly executed film. Four out of four stars. Wow. I do not remember it being received with that much fanfare. I, I Maybe it was just the time when, you know, I just graduated from university. Maybe it was... I had better things on my mind. I don't know. That's true. I'm, I mean, I'm glad to hear it in retrospect. I just don't remember it being that beloved in the moment. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking for him. Yeah, I'm looking. <laughs> I'm looking for Goody Coons and Destin Thompson and Splats all so simultaneously. I remember uh, people yeah. talking like this was a, you know, a robbery from the, the so, they get, so they've been showered with Oscars and stuff is how I remember it. Yeah, no oh. nom for Best Picture. No. Wow. Oh, that's okay. I didn't know that either. Uh, Roger Ebert, Ebes, in Ebes, the time of the film being released, he said this. The underlying <laughs> ideas made the movie more than just entertainment. Like Gattaca, the previous film written by Nickel, it brings into focus the new values that technology is forcing on humanity. 
prescient. Yeah. Yeah. There it is. I was waiting for somebody to say that because that was going to be said. No, it's going to be said by somebody on the show at some point. It could have been me too. Yeah, absolutely. Mugatu. Mugatu. Uh, And you know what? No Destin Thompson, no Goody Koontz. I'm really sorry about that. And it's so wild. The splats, I'm trying to find a splat here. There's got to be because it wasn't 100%. It wasn't even 99%. So somebody had to be pissed about this. Give me a green (laughs) splat, you bastards. Tell me why this movie. Here we go. All right. Tom Meek from Film (laughs) Threat. What a weird Ooh. title. Film threat? That's scared of film. I love reading film threat. It always has me on edge. Uh, Piss myself <laughs> in fear reading film threat. I'm terrified every day I read film threat. Carrie oh, uh, Car- <laughs> doesn't break off into outrageous physical comedy bits, as fans might hope. Yeah, and the film does take a while to find its legs. But there is something rewarding in its quirky demeanor. So, yeah, this is a huge deal. I mean, Jim Carrey not being a total bozo, this is this is the first one where he went straight, right? Someone help me! I'm being spontaneous! <laughs> he has his moments. Yeah. I'm going right. to report uh, you! Oh, yeah. yeah he, or when he's driving around, he's like... <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. He, yeah. he definitely brings the it up a few times, yeah. Honestly, sure, but, I, prior yeah. to this, I was never a big fan of Jim Carrey. Like I, to this day, what? I've still never seen Ace Ventura: Pet Detective. I have no desire to what? see it. I don't what? like Jim Carrey's slapstick. He's Canadian too. How dare you? Hey, it just—he never appealed to me. It's just I've never been interested. And then when okay. this came out, I'm like, okay, I'll give it a try. And then I I enjoyed it. And it's like you know, you think like Robin Williams, he gets a start as a, as a comedian. And then you put him in a, a movie where he has an opportunity to actually be yeah. a serious actor. And you're like, Oh my God, he can do it. And so many comedians know. have that. And this was, in my, my opinion, this was sort of Jim Carrey's time to do this. And then he went on to, to do man on the moon right after yep. this. And it's like, look, this guy can be a huge act. dick. Like he doesn't have to be the goofy <laughs> look at me and making funny faces. Um, but yeah, so for me, it was like it already had a little bit of an impediment when I was walking into it. And then I still enjoyed it so much, like despite that. All right, let me give you one other thing. Last review here. This one more splat just to give oh, you some more, more perspective. All this right. is from Pete, Pete, Peter Pete, Rayner. Pete, oh. Pete, Pete, this is from Pete's film threat beat. No, it's from Peter Rayner of New York Magazine, also called Vulture now, or they're both okay. the same. Either way, it's from Peter Rayner. This is a profound movie for people who don't like to think. Or, yeah, wow, right? Or perhaps for people who are in the media and of the media and can't imagine any life outside of it. Ooh, interesting. Interesting Hmm. perspective. Someone was bitter that day. (laughs) (laughs) They didn't let him in the press release. Yeah. I think, well, Carrie was rude at the junket. No press screening for you. Well, fine, I'm giving you a crappy review. Pete Beat is out. (laughs) Take it, uh, 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 no pee pee. Get out! You get in the car. No more pee pee. Oh, you move out with your life. <laughs> there it is. Is. I couldn't help myself. I'm sorry. That's everybody else. I knew it was coming back. <laughs> I'm sorry, Derek. That's from last week. <laughs> You're gonna oh, write man. that review. Yeah. Half the people haven't heard this episode yet since it hasn't. Uh, I know. Okay. Okay. All right. So, all right. So those are some of the reviews. Overwhelmingly praised for the most part. Uh, but to say it's a movie for people who don't like to think, I think that's a bit harsh because sure. compare that to, like I said earlier, Godzilla of that year or other movies that don't think. Come yeah. on. Or come even on. other movies that Jim Carrey has done since he was known at that point for Dumb and Dumber <laughs> and The Mask and yeah. all that kind of stuff. Like not exactly the most cerebral material. So it's like, well, there's at least there's 
an allegory here. There's something that there's the, a deliberate message that's taking place. Yeah, that's especially uh, the 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 possibility of so many people being total assholes to an innocent young man. Like the amount of cruelty in this movie uh, has not struck me since uh, the entire like the dozen or so times I've watched this until last night. I, I did not think about how like ugly and cruel this movie has uh, uh, comments on society. There's another drink drink word. <laughs> no, I, I agree. And one of the things that I appreciated more this viewing than I think I ever had before was the efforts of limited that they are the efforts of people like Nas Natasha McElhorn's character and the parachuting guy, people that are or the guy that busts out of the, the gift, the people that try to break into Cause you know, there's like mm -hmm. it sometimes, Hey, we just had, you know, uh, we went through the election process, but it, it, it sometimes feels like society is composed of so many heartless, cold people that will just put their own whatever first over, you know, over basic hum humanity towards others. But there's yeah. still always those people that kind of like will, will work and do it and get in there. And so, yeah, I, I appreciated those people a lot more on this viewing. Ooh, okay. Well, that, let's cover this now so we can move on from it. This movie is, as you said, Travis, is very prescient. Reality TV world that we live in today. You know, real world was out at this time. There were some reality shows that were starting to come into focus around 1998. But the way that this is a movie about a guy who was literally born, in a sense, to be on a TV show. They made a show about his whole life. It just seems so can accord ordinary now, Derek. I mean, isn't that something that was maybe more... Uh, mind-blowing back when this movie first came out, but now it's just that part of the film is just more run-of-the-mill. Yeah, it, it, I mean, you got to remember the time in which this came out. You hit it right on the head. There was only a limited amount of what we now would call reality TV, and um, the idea of a non-scripted show that's simply observational, to you know, you're just watching this guy live his life, was was... You know, it was unlike anything that was out at the time, and but now, by today's standard, it just seems so tame and predictable and like people who don't people who are seeing it for the first time now and don't realize the movie is almost 25 years old they're mm. like well this movie's slow and boring and like <laughs> so what as opposed to watching it in 1998 mm -hmm. and you're like man could you imagine if we lived in a world where something like this could actually happen and now <laughs> you're like i can't believe it took so long for us to get there yeah so. you know i think that the whole Kristoff thing in particular that, that moment <laughs> when harry, when harry Shearer. Christoph, when Harry Shearer is like, well, you jealously <laughs> guard your privacy. I feel like that's a very like telling moment because it makes me think of of the you know the Zuckerbergs and the Rupert Murdochs and the Jeff Bezos, the people that you know have control over the realities that are constructed for us in some form or another, and we know so little about them. Uh, you know, they're, they're, they're very private lives and their money affords them that privacy. So to me, one of the things that stuck about, stuck out about this film at this viewing wasn't so much the social media and reality TV stuff that I think is really on the surface, but more like, Hey, invasions of privacy and the way that that can become embedded in our day-to-day -day mundane lives. Those are two excellent perspectives. I, I would probably add the fact, in my opinion, well, I, watching this, I'm not thinking of the real world or the Kardashians at all. I'm thinking about <clears throat> mainstream news um, because nowadays the media, much as they did in this film where they literally control a man's entire life, has the absolute ability to control the feelings, perspectives, philosophies, and ideologies of an entire population, which is yeah. 
very interesting. <laughs> mm, well said. Absolutely. I also think uh, this movie's funny. It's very funny. It still makes me laugh. And of course, <laughs> Jim Carrey's in it. But a lot of the bits related to the absurdity of his situation where he finds himself, you know, Sometimes it's dumb. It's real dumb. Like when he's trying to travel and he runs into all these obstacles and it's a bit like overdone in my opinion. I know they're laying it on thick for a reason because they're trying to set up how much control this world has over its environment and the outsiders do. But uh, it was a funny movie to me still, even in this day, 2022. I, I take that point. I do also think that there are moments that feel a bit like padding. This is a very simple movie. And... um there yes. are parts where I'm like, oh, so we need him to go through the roundabout thing one more time and do the cars one more time and like one more thing because it's like, I, I, I guess if because they didn't want to show it show us when he's actually constructing how the when he's somehow avert like averting all the cameras and digging a tunnel out of his home <laughs> and creating like some sort of trap door to get out. Um, he's somehow doing all of this and getting around the cameras. We don't get to see that, which to me could be really fascinating. Mm -hmm. But I guess they want the reveal of of that, you know, just as we, just as Kristoff gets it. But <laughs> yeah, so some of the, some of the scenes, I'm like, hey, this could have been an hour and a half long. I, I I hear that for sure, and I also think that they do a tremendous job in those small scenes and those details of of not allowing us to nitpick this with plot holes like oh why doesn't he just do this or why doesn't he just do that i think <laughs> it's smart for the entire film to take place on sea haven island it would have been very easy for christoph to just have truman not even know that there's an entire world or, or not say anything about the world itself but i yeah. think it's smart that truman knows that he is on you know planet earth much as the same it is for the viewer uh instead yeah, he knows uh, yeah, mostly for the viewers to kind of connect with him uh, yeah. because that is our world too. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. That, the other two aspects of this film that I think are fantastic. One is the obsession with the show. People are so obsessed with the show, and that is so standard. That's an old bit, really. I mean, people were obsessed with shows going back to the 60s and 70s. So TV being dominant as part of the monoculture is also the death of that too that's no longer what we see today this show would be a niche thing frankly <laughs> i don't think it, it would it wouldn't be like a the dominant thing that it is right. and also sponsorships the, the way they do it is i don't think it's overdone i think it's done really really well even though we get a lot of it the way <laughs> laura linney squeezes in those sponsorship opportunities or the silent ones where there's just a sign on a wall that doesn't say anything other than what you can read the sponsorship it is yeah, chicken. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Exactly. This movie is rife with it. Our society is all about advertising and sponsorships and consumerism. And this movie is as accurate as the day it was born. Much more on that, in my opinion. Yeah. There was um, a lot of... So, again, you got to remember, 1998. This is when DVDs were just becoming <laughs> a part of, of our, of our um, media library. So you went from having a video cassette, which was literally here, third reference video cassette, which was just the video and that's it to now having a DVD where you could have extras and behind the scenes features and, and an audio commentary and deleted scenes and mm -hmm. all of this stuff. And this was one of the first movies that I can remember that had extra stuff that was made specifically for the DVD. They had all these little featurettes where they interviewed the actors in character 
hmm. as interviews of their character. So like they interview, there's one where they have Laura Linney and they're talking to her about how she is the official spokesperson of the show. And they talk about like how <laughs> she has to do so many pitches on so many days for so many items. And it can only be these things in these contexts. And, uh, and they talk to the, the, the best friend and how like the beer is his, one of the things that he pitches. And, <laughs> yeah. and it's, it's, again, it was fascinating at the time because no, it was very rare uh, for any other movie to have this kind of overwhelming amount of support material over and above what you would see in a theater. And mm. in one way it made you want to now buy the DVD. Well, I already saw it in the theater. Why would I drop 20 or 30 bucks on a DVD? It's like, well, now you're going to get this extra stuff. You thought you liked it before. Now you're going to love it. I mean, today <laughs> you get all that stuff on every Blu-ray or DVD you ever buy. That's just now standard. But this was one of the very first ones to do it. And it wasn't just, here's a blooper reel and here's a deleted scene. And you watch the deleted scene, you go, well, that sucks. Of course it was deleted. This actually had some <laughs> legit stuff that was made specifically as extras. And you don't need to know any of this stuff or watch any of this stuff to enjoy the movie. But if you did enjoy the movie and you are a fan and then you do get access to this stuff, it just gives you those layers uh, and can really help put some of the things in the show in perspective. And it did have deleted scenes, some of which when you see what those scenes are, you're like, oh, well, that sort of fills in the gap from here to here. But you don't need to know mm -hmm. that. But I think mm -hmm. that's important to remember just again, the place this movie in the context of when it came out, what what else was it like? It was a pioneer in many ways because it had a lot of those extras and those special features. Hmm. Yeah. Of course. Philip Glass's score, dudes. I mean, wow. I listen to this thing all the time. Wow. The, the score is so beautiful. Philip Glass is, gets me inspired every time I hear that. And then when it goes into full roar, it's just like, it's like an Amazing. orgasm. It's incredible. It's an explosion yeah. of happiness, of powerful oh songwriting. It's an incredibly iconic score, but is it not Burkhard von Dalwitz? Oh, shit. Is that true? Uh, I'm looking at the IMDb that. right now because because that was one of my big takeaways last night was like, man, how could this score be so iconic? And I cannot think of another comp uh, composition by this Burkhard von Dalwitz, which I had to look up. As, <laughs> I'm super reading that right now. <laughs> Fuck is this guy? So I, now I know I did read some stuff about the music in this that um, they had to use or they chose to use classical music and a classical music score. Because they didn't want to, they they wanted to leave the movie as timeless as possible, so they didn't want to put like pop culture songs in it. But also, mm. it was a dollars dollars and cents decision from the movie making. They didn't want to have to pay for the rights of a Madonna song or a No Doubt song or a Nirvana song. They're like, if we use classical music, it's all in the public domain, and that <laughs> yeah, made more yeah. sense to try. You know, again, if you're if you are raising this person, you want to leave them as much of a blank slate as they they can be until you want until you want them to learn something specific. So like classical mm. music is just so general i mean and i don't mean that in no, a derogatory way but right it's like yeah. you know it's suddenly it's not like truman's like i love gangster rap i need more of it it's like hey we're not <laughs> going to expose him to what is popular now we might like it stuff from <laughs> and even when he was watching tv he was watching reruns of i think it was i love lucy so again it was very deliberate choices of sort of what media is he exposed to and how will that mm. influence him as a person and his values mm. and all the rest of that which how, again would then lead to the advertisers too right mm. right and how limiting uh media can 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 kind of cause conformity in people and make them more of a malleable kind of personality. Okay, so apparently they Burkhard Dalwitz was also involved with Philip Glass on this. I'm seeing because both of them soundtrack the whole album soundtrack album is by Burkhard, Philip Glass, and Wojciech Kilar. So okay, that huh, I don't I know don't who know. 
did it in who did it all in one or if they all collaborated either way it's a gorgeous right. film score yeah, and we know that so. goosebumps yeah. inducing score from Sarge to Vinny. yeah, yeah. i put it top five all time i'm not even kidding yeah. star wars superman all that stuff anything john williams ever did Damn. you know how like morgan creek starts off with the with the music from uh robin hood robin hood it's, yeah. it's, like this music, it seems like whatever studio this is, that's I forgot already. But I mean, it seems like they would take that and use that because it's such like a fucking <laughs> epic yeah. score. Yes, yeah. completely agree. Totally. So I have a interesting, <laughs> something that kind of stuck out to me in watching it this time was when it when when, it, when you study consumerism uh as i understand it like academic pursuits of that kind of thing one of the one of the things that a lot of people land on is the pursuit of authenticity and how that's like what creates genre and people are trying to get into something that's real and new and different until of course it becomes overly processed and uh capitalized and commodified and all that kind of stuff and to me, that's a lot of what this movie is about, is about the packaging and selling of a person, obviously. But by, but by trying to create an authentic experience for the viewer, because we're all so hung up on that. And I'm thinking, as I'm watching the movie, I'm like, well, how do we do this in real life? And I got to get back on my my normal uh, uh, bah humbug uh, soapbox, which, box, which is my anti-Santa Claus uh, feelings. which Because I think that this is a very similar uh, allegory. When people take children that they know that they can make believe like hey here's this thing it's it's so that they can experience this authentic emotion emotion from like the outside but it's also been manufactured and therefore they can have like control over it so i'm watching i'm like i'm like we in a weird way this is this is what we do with people and not 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 that only way but gaslighting one another and relationships or other ways like these realities that we can construct for one another sometimes in the pursuit of like getting an honest response from someone because we're so fucking dark ourselves i guess oh wow that's intense i like that i like a lot of that i like <laughs> what you're saying and i'm a fan of it anybody else have thoughts on that ponderous nope. uh, <laughs> ponderous man ruminate on that how creepy were these pictures and this magazine stuff like <laughs> is this disturbing is this right like what what is this like it's it's very strange like i always it always just kind of icked me out like what he's doing behind his wife's back and this creepy stuff with the photos yeah, she's and he's trying to assemble his him. memory it's weird isn't she watching him upstairs like he thinks he's being secretive in the basement compiling the stuff she's like watching the tv upstairs being like oh so that's what he's doing <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, they, oh, that brings up a whole can of worms. Would they want that channel to be accessible in the television in the house? I mean, what if Truman just accidentally? Oh my God, there I am. I'm on TV. Is that what you're well, saying? Well, it's it's not because you raise a good point. Like that's a a, a potential uh, problem. But I think that's one of the also one of the main things about this film that sticks out to me with this viewing, which is that this whole process this works. This all works I until the show itself starts to break down. You have the Fresnel light fall out of the sky. They fuck up and they allow the, the, the dad, like the homeless Keith or whatever his name is, makes his way on, on, onto the set. The, the radio <laughs> fucks up. Security like, on the show sucks. Two yeah. cast members that are a problem come back. <laughs> yeah, then another cast member after like 30 years of doing this shit, finally one day call, of, of all days calls him Truman. Hey, you're welcome, Truman. <laughs> Like there's just like these con like these consistent droppings of the ball, like which also kind of made me think of like societal constructs and how you, yes. if you are a young child or someone who is sheltered 
and you think that you know what the world looks like and then like the, invariably there's things that are gonna you know the the center will not hold and you will start to learn things that you don't want to know about society and then your society and then you are forced to confront them and either stick your head in the sand and or rather you know not cross the river as the case may be be if you're an aquaphobe or you're gonna you know go out to sea Yes, it's a meditation on American culture and society and how you only you get one thing revealed to you. If something's revealed by a let's say a whistleblower, for example, or even yeah. it doesn't matter if you agree with someone or not, like a WikiLeaks that revealed information and you're like, oh wow, is this true? And then uh you get distracted just like they do in the movie. They distract Truman constantly or put obstacles in front of him to prevent him from seeing the truth, the complete truth and the big picture. And to me, Capital this Yes, all the way. This this is not even that, um, I don't know, mysterious. It's not even hidden that well, in my opinion. This is absolutely a greater reimagining of what we see day-to-day as people in the United States and probably Canada, too, frankly. I mean, it's all the same. So this type of Western culture where, where there's always so much media attention and stuff thrown at you, and the more you look, the more you'll start to really understand. But a lot of people can be distracted easily. It's the classic wag the dog. To me, this is a wag the dog scenario, and it's talking about us as people in this this type of society. Let me, let me take your very, very serious conversation from the last five minutes <laughs> and really just throw in the muck for a minute and go right to the most Good. juvenile question. Please tell me how this show stayed on the air when Truman was a teenager. And it wasn't just the Truman Thank masturbatory you. show. Cause that's all Thank I kept you. thinking when I'm watching this is how do you have a show that follows a young man through teenage puberty and not have people lose their mind and going, he's doing it again. What the hell? <laughs> Season 13 was probably pretty uh, intense for younger viewers. <laughs> Like the, and the security guards at one point when they're like, oh, the, the Truman and the wife are like, she's like, oh, we should have a baby. We should have a baby. And then it cuts to the security guards in the, in the little booth there. And they're like, yeah, well, you never see anything. The camera pans away and the curtains blow. And it's yeah. like, of course, because it's on network TV, which in the 90s was a lot more tame than it is today. But still, so, you know, you got to think if he's 30 years old and it's 1998. So he would have hit that puberty spot in the early 80s. Like, think of how much more conservative TV was in the early 80s. It's like, there's no way they would have been straight up about, okay, he's yanking it. We're going to just, you know, pan camera. They would have had to come up with the most ridiculous and unbelievable excuses. And people would have just been like, oh, yeah, that that sounds right. Yeah, I think sitcom parents were still in separate twin beds in the early 80s. (laughs) (laughs) You raise raise a question for me that I've certainly never considered before about nature versus nurture, which is if we don't know that masturbation is an option, do we eventually just figure it out for ourselves? Because probably, (laughs) but I'm thinking that this is like, like Sea Haven makes me think of Celebration Florida. It makes me think of like this attempt to try and recreate this, you know, leave it to beaver life. This, you know, they're they're trying to give it towns. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, you're on mute. Nope. I think he's gone. Got celebration. Yeah. Artificial town created by a corporation. That's exactly what the town is. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. Yeah, uh, let me unmute you. There you go. You should. Well, no, I can't unmute you, Travis. I'm sorry. I don't know what happened there. You're still muted. Uh, you'll figure what, it out. What? But what I was thinking while we're trying that's to a good point, though, Derek. Tech, yeah. What I was trying. What I was thinking was, I wonder if, um, I wonder if in the in the, again, not that we would, not that we really need to know this for the sh- the movie to work, but would they have tried to manipulate Truman to sort of be like, 
oh no, doing that is bad and doing that is just like when he's like, I want to be an explorer. Mm-hmm. And they're like, right. everything's being explored. <laughs> don't be an explorer. And he's like, oh, you're too I late. Used myself and it felt awesome. And they're like, don't do that. You'll get cancer. And he'll be like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. like I wonder if that was how that would have been handled in this context. And you know, it, that's probably what it was. They probably mm-hmm. came up with some sort of a ridiculous excuse to just address it once. Yeah, you'll go blind, Truman. Hair in your palm. Penis. Yeah, yeah, and then some kid from his class shows up the next day with the dark glasses and a cane. I touch myself sure. one too many times, Truman. <laughs> like well, we lost the sponsors. If they're going to go so far as to, it's the barking dog at the bridge. It's the sunken boat yeah. when he's crossing. Dude, it's the pretending that you're killing his father. If they're going to go to th- those links just to make him afraid of water, imagine the, the leaps that they would take to control his sexual impulses. Yeah. Yes, that's a great point. See, that's why I want to talk about Kristoff, the character Kristoff played by Ed Harris, who <laughs> runs this world. He's the director. He's got his hat on, same type of hat I used to wear in the he's 90s the that all my friends made fun of. of he is the creator. Yeah, he's God, right? The big guy with the paintbrush. Is that a metaphor? But, uh, <laughs> yeah, two Not things. So I don't give a shit about the romance, about this long-lost woman. I could care less about this stuff. If that was, I know that like they want to create a scenario for Truman to look for something more, or they're for to be someone who's a rebel. So that's I get why it's in there. I don't need it. I get why it's there. But Kristoff is an interesting character because he seems to really, really care about Truman. Mm-hmm. Like genuinely, I don't think that is an absurd notion at all. He loves Truman, I believe, but yeah. he he thinks he knows best, too. So this is where I find it more interesting, and it makes my gears turn, is that Kristoff yeah. has seen this harsh world around Truman, and he believes this idyllic little paradise, this Levittown-esque place, Travis, as we were saying, that he knows best, and this that's why there's nothing for you out there, Truman. Yeah. It's all yeah. bad. It's all bogus. And it comes down to this philosophical question of, do you want to live life on your own terms with all the pain, or would you rather not live it on your terms in this free-for-all wonderland, if yeah. you will? And he's, and he's like the ultimate narcissist. But oh narcissists, yeah, but narcissists—they have emotions. They 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 feel feelings. They think they feel love, you know. So I mean, because so for them, for him, for Kristoff, that level of control—that that is, you know, he think he thinks he's yeah. taking care of him. Yeah, he's a textbook control freak, and he's willing to kill Truman the second that his almost he knows that his show is it's done, it's over. It's, it's you can't have another uh, character come on. It's been exposed. It's done. So what do you do? You kill the. Uh, the in, in independent variable you take it out of the equation with no he emotion born. he was born on the show right yeah. that moment when when he's escaped and like the whole town starts looking for him i'm like oh fuck like that's a big move because there's no yeah. coming back from no, that yeah that's exactly what i thought there's no coming back mm-hmm. from this you raise yep. the sun in the middle of the night and everybody's <laughs> yeah like how do you explain that away truman you yeah. ate bad mushrooms it was all a hallucination right don't touch yourself for yeah, truman so it's over for truman burbank it's over but part of me says well why why isn't kind of the point of the show to have us hope and desire all of us hope and desire not just natasha McElhone, but but for the crux of the series to be wanting this character to figure it out and leave. So, you know, maybe you can bring another one in to have this self-discovery eventually. But what about all the people watching this real quickly? If we get like this potpourri of people from across the landscape of humanity, <laughs> we even get like a an old lesbian couple watching the show together. They love the show. We get the, the workers at the diner. And we get all these the security guards sitting on their ass fucking around. I just think it's funny what they chose to show as the purveyors and consumers of this show it just made me chuckle a little bit it's not crazy it, it makes sense i mean there was 
I still feel like not all of humanity was represented in <laughs> no, showing no, who watches hey. the show. Yeah. But they but. do it so creatively. Like, it's ingenious because we're already kind of complaining about how much exposition, exposition you need for this scenario to play out. And yet, for the small stuff, you get fun little snippets of people just saying, oh, yeah, she he cheated on her or this happened or this memory or that memory quickly. Yeah. 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 Sorry, I lost what I was going to say there. Continue. Carry on. Beautiful. Oh, I don't know what I was going to say. Uh, what other thoughts? Yeah, we're cruising along here. Other notes you guys want to talk about here that we haven't mentioned. I mean, this show's this movie has a lot going who would, on. It, who, would, who, who are these actors? Who would play these roles? Oh, wait. I'm sorry. I remember what I was going to say. It's come back Please. to me. ADHD okay. brain. Um, to me, the funny thing about all those, those side people, to, to, to make my point about them real quick, is that you know that for somebody, their job for like two days for the they. The shoot was just this guy in a bathtub, like acting excited. You know, be more excited. Okay, now less excited. Now you look sad. You know, this guy just worked like two days in a bathtub. I don't know. I just sure. find that hilarious because it's all shot at once. But now, what was your other question? Um, now I forgot. Grab that. All the actors. <laughs> yeah, the, side, the side people. Some about the side people. The, the, the main characters, the leads, Laura Linney, yeah. Noah Emmerich. Who, oh, yeah, who, are, yeah. who is going to play these roles? Who is going to live every single day of their yeah. life manipulating another human being? Well, dude, I mean, they do they do talk about to sort of step sidestep your question to come back to it. Mm -hmm. They do talk about in the course of the show how the main characters all seem to have opportunities to leave. Like they talk about for his buddies, like, remember when you were a kid and you got sick, you missed a month of school. And remember, and he asked him when you were last summer, when you went on that <laughs> expedition for work for a month and you drove oh. around. And so mm. it's clear that, that the people who are in his life every single day do get their scripted breaks. And I can't remember if it was in the movie or in one of the special scenes, a deleted scenes or something. But I think there was a time where they talk about how Laura Linney went to visit her mother somewhere far away. So even those who are like in his immediate life, the show, the show within the movie tries to explain, like, to your point, who would want to do that 365 every day of the yeah. year for years and years no and one. years? They, I'm sure they get compensated <laughs> well, but at the same time, they would get breaks. But you know, yeah, it would still have to be a tremendous fuck Truman at work. That's your job. Have sex. <laughs> They'd with have the a lot of leverage. <laughs> they, yeah. They have a lot of leverage in negotiation as actors after a while. Yeah. Hmm. The fuck is Mike drinking out of a barrel drum? <laughs> this, this water thing. <laughs> this dumbest oh. water juggy. Yeah. Yeah. You saw it at the feast. All right. So what else? Come on, guys. Other final thoughts. We got to wrap this up here shortly. Well, the only so one of the things that I like to do when on our show when we go back and watch these old movies is my partner Chris always talks about how these 80s movies are the greatest things ever. And then you sort of look at it from today's view and you say, like, well, I know it came out in a time where certain things were acceptable, but when you look at it with today's crux, what might you do differently? What's acceptable? And so that was one of the things that I was sort of watching this time through with the Truman show. And one of the things that really stuck out to me was the the whitewashing. It's like there were very few people of color in this movie. Uh, and, and again, in a controlled environment, that is a deliberate choice. Oh, yeah. And, you know, it's not specifically addressed mm. in the context of the show. But at the same time, you know, it, it, it's not an accident. So no. that was something that I felt I was a lot more attuned to this time around than I was in some of my previous yeah, viewings. Rockwellian white utopia. <laughs> yeah, the no, only like the, the only person call you had. What do you do? He drove the bus. Like, come on. Damn. Yeah, notice that. Like, way to play to the stereotype. Like, you know, but, come but on. Why couldn't his boss at work have been a been a black guy or a woman? And again, right. again, that goes back to the thing of which roles. It's the gender roles. It's the you know that kind of thing. But if you're showing him I love Lucy and you're giving him those sort of 
fifties, you know, middle America values, then of course it's going to be a whitewash. Cause that was sort right. of what was accepted at the time. And that was in pop culture and popular media. That's not to say that it's right. And, but you are certainly more, or at least I was certainly more aware of it now in 2022 mm. than I would have been in 1998. Yeah. No, I think, I think you raise really good points there. Cause I mean, there's, there's, it's a little bit more subtle, I think, than a lot of the other points being made in this movie, but there's, there's something going on here about like this, it's not quite Pleasantville in, uh, in terms of its heavy hand. <laughs> they are trying to say something Shortness. about like uh, trying to construct this conservative world that just doesn't really actually exist. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the whole like, it's basically they're trying to give him this. It's a wonderful life life. Like, hey, here's your childhood sweetheart and all that kind of stuff. But yeah. you know what? I also thought of watching this movie to, to shift gears a little bit and go back to uh, Lewis, the best friend. How fucked up would it be to be like six, mm. seven years old and learn that your new best friend, like, hey, this is mommy and daddy chose this for you. This is your new job. And I guess in um, his like his development of the character, uh, Noah, uh, not Bombback, Noah, what's his name? Emmerich. Emmerich. Noah Emmerich had it like where he's super eaten alive with guilt. He's got a drug addiction problems mm -hmm. because he's like all like eating alive because he's lying to his best friend mm -hmm. all the time, which I kind of wish they had leaned into that a little bit more because he comes across almost diabolical in a few yeah, places and heartless. Exactly. Yep. And I think it would have been, it would have played better uh, to, you know, have him have an issue with Paul Giamatti being in his ear. Yeah. Paul Giamatti's in this. Yeah. It's a little, little side Giamatti, a little bonus yeah. Giamatti. Yeah. Oh, that's Giamini. a good point. Little Giamini. <laughs> Can you get a little Giamini? Uh, uh, you said it well, Travis. Yes, well said, sir. Derek, those are great points. And this is what we do often because every week we go back and look at a movie. Some are more recent than others. And we're going to see that this is not unusual. In fact, so many of the movies that we've looked at on this show, we go back and look like, oh, wow. Yeah, look how white this movie is. Or look how, yeah. uh, like, look how homogeneous this is. Right? It's just like, or wait, wait heteros? I got that wrong. No. no what I mean? Is, no. Home, yeah. Yeah. Homogeneous. Yeah. I think I'm right. Yeah. What I mean? Yeah. So like, it's just, you know, white people and there's not enough. And that's one of the things that we're doing today in our culture and in entertainment is trying to make it more representative of all peoples. And in a movie for 1998, that's exactly what's going to happen. I'm not condoning it, but I'm sure as hell not surprised at all. No, not at all. I'd like to touch on a couple. Again, I, I mentioned Harry Shearer, Shearer earlier. But uh, when he's asking Christoph, like, how are you going to explain all this? Like, you know, he's been the father's been away for years, and Christoph just goes, "Amnesia." He goes, brilliant, brilliant. <laughs> so like, yeah, no, it's really. not. That's not brilliant at all. It's fucking and hilarious. That interview, I chuckled because Christoph gives away two huge plot ideas that are going to be for the upcoming like seasons or whatever you call him. Like, he's giving yeah. away a lot of nuggets for this popular show. Like, I know. maybe you got to keep those under wraps. <laughs> And I, yeah, I think you alluded to it earlier, Travis. How sick are the people that are the actors on the show oh, that man. they are willingly manipulating yeah. a human being's life? Those actors who know the Noah Emmerich character, all, these people all know. Laura all Linney is dedicated. Yeah, yeah. They all know that they are manipulating a human being. And that's a really that. tragic part of this, which also yeah. says a lot about how we roll in this country again. Like, we'll just do yeah. what we got to do. Everyone else be damned. It, it took me till that. That's the thing I love about our our podcast is it takes maturity and growth to see some things that you missed before when you're a kid. And for me, it, what struck me the most was that scene between the father and son, 
I used to think of it as this kind of like really sweet, powerful moment where Truman, you know, finally realizes this and that and blah, blah, blah. And the music swells. It's devastatingly sad because Truman's more than likely crying because it's all the pieces are coming together. And he knows that his life is truly a fucking joke because he starts planning immediately after that reunion to get the fuck out point. of there. That's a good point. And that guy's not even his fucking dad. Yeah. Here's another question for you guys. <laughs> Have you really made a movie in the late 1990s if you don't have Philip Baker Hall coming in as a bigwig? Hopping in. <laughs> Obviously not. not. not the grand yeah. mission. He's just going to pop <laughs> in for like a couple <laughs> scenes real quick and be like kind of angry, but also like this middle management boss who's somehow above yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, Monty, too. He That's how he gets to do guy, like 20 times in the late 90s. <laughs> Turn it oh off. Oh, my Turn God. Off. Yeah, he was the, the same year he was in the negotiator, the negotiator. same year playing yep. the guy yep. who knows how to hack into the computer. Yep. So yep. you're yep. totally right about that. And yet, also, he's not think of. He's not smart enough at his job to just turn the wind off the weather machine. There was sailboat <laughs> going any further. Do you notice it's the, it's, the, it's the Santa Maria? Like, oh, they 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 chose the one that sang. Yes. <laughs> oh, I didn't notice that. Oh, that's funny. Also, consider this. This is a true story from the IMDb trivia. Dennis Hopper was on set as yeah. Christoph for one day, and then he quit or something. And, but he was in Ed TV, the movie you mentioned earlier, Derek. Yep. <laughs> Um, so when I was uh, doing a little bit of the homework for this, um, like I said, I hadn't seen this movie in quite a while. So I, I did a little bit of the reading and I watched a couple of YouTube videos. There's a couple of trivia points that I never noticed until I, I read about them. And then I watched for them this time around. Uh, the first one, just a little detail was uh, we were just talking about Paul Giamatti. <laughs> the idea that the people in the booth sort of could realize that that the show could be ending. Things could be changing. Mm -hmm. And you see Paul Giamatti reading the classifieds. In <laughs> right at the end, like, almost yeah, like he it. knows i'm gonna be looking for work any day now yeah, so that nice was a nice moment. little sort of oh. wink thing. the other one Funny. again very subtle but very very obvious when you think about it truman has never been exposed to natural sunlight mm -hmm. so in the oh, scene where he's eating there is a giant vitamin bottle d. of vitamin d pills yeah which they obviously oh, have been feeding awesome. him like candy because he doesn't get natural sunlight that's never occurred to me i read that little tidbit and i'm like mm. mind blown that's like that's somebody awesome. did their homework so it's those little details yeah. that just mm -hmm. add that you know it's like the the icing on the cake to an already great movie They're covering all their bases with this <laughs> yeah. script let me yeah. point out uh, a little detail that took me out of the film a little bit, which I, I think I think oh only really I think it wouldn't have happened back in the 90s watching it on VHS. But as I'm watching the movie and he's at the doorway and and having this back and forth with uh, with Kristoff in the sky, the doorway at times is like digitally blackened and at times it's very clearly just like this black cloth that he's standing in front of and it cuts <laughs> back and forth and it's like oh that's such a weird place to have a film flub because it, it just cuts back because sometimes it's like this cavernous emptiness of like digital blackness and sometimes it's very clearly just standing in front of felt <laughs> i didn't notice that okay wow we get some deep cuts on this i think that's a perfect time to let us know that it's time to lock it in oh boy it is time to find out does the Truman Show, Derek Meyer's choice from 1998, hold up or not? Derek, we'll give you the choice. Would you like to go first and explain yourself, or will you want to go last? Uh, first. I always want to go first. I just had this conversation okay. with people at work. Like, do you want to go first or last? Always first. I do <laughs> think it held up. I do think that it carries a different message and, and is viewed differently today than it was when it came out in 98. I think depending on how old you are, 
you're going to look at this differently. If you were alive in 1998, you're going to, you're going to see this movie differently than if you're a young person watching it for the first time today. I do. And so again, I think it holds up, but I think it's going to play differently for different audiences. And uh, I think it will continue I think it will continue to age well, but I think that a lot of what was sort of, I don't want to say sensational, that's the wrong word, but things that were seen as, oh no, this could be the big bad future. We are pretty much there and going to go way past it so that 10 years <laughs> from now, when you watch this movie, it's just going to seem that much tamer. But I do think it'll still hold up if for no other reason than it's sort of predicted so much of, you know, things being on film, the manipulation uh, by, by, the media of real life, the, you know, the, the idea that everything is, is viewed by anybody, no matter how mundane, like I think those kinds of things, it was the first to sort of tread that ground in, in this kind of a way. So I, I think it holds up and I think it, it will continue to hold up. Well said, sir. Who wants to go next? I'll jump in. Hey, I, I, I feel like this movie is both a time capsule and uh, timeless in some ways, which I think is a really good thing for a movie to be, to both feel like anyone could watch it at any time, but that it very much speaks of the era. If I were making a, uh, like a college level course on the end of the 1990s or like the, you know, that, that time period, I would have this would have the matrix um, I would have uh, other movies like Fight Club even that are kind of a, about like the, the disassembling of constructed realities and, and, and how people very much felt on the verge of some precipice uh, technologically driven. And I really respect it. So I, I went in watching, you know, when you, when you told us, Mike, that we were, this is the movie we were going to watch, I have not seen this movie in easily 20 years, 15 years. It's been a really wow. long time. But part of the reason was that I also kind of felt like, yeah, this is Truman Show. It's a classic. It's going to hold up. So I sat down and I watched it and I was pleased to come away with it with different uh, come away from it with some different observations and uh, insights than I had previously. And, you know, that's good. As, as Eric said, I, I also really enjoy that aspect of our show that uh, we can kind of appreciate things by coming back to them later. So while this didn't blow my socks off necessarily the way it did in 1998, and uh, I was also kind of surprised at how simple it was. I was like, oh, it's already fucking over. Like, this is it. He's at the boat. Yeah. Uh, still, overall, I mean, yeah, this movie holds up. Ah, okay. Uh, I'll say that the movie, in terms of entertainment, is pretty solid. We didn't talk a lot about the pacing and the structure in terms of how this movie flows in terms of being something that you take in and absorb. You watch it. Uh, like I said, I really could have done without this long-lost romance or the wishful romance that we all want. All the viewers in the show, they want to see it happen, and they wish it could be. I just didn't care about that. And it kind of I was like, all right, okay, moving on, moving on. Yes, I know why you're here, but I'm just not interested because it's so much more interesting and fascinating to consider all of these pieces we've discussed with this film. It is a philosopher's wet dream. Yep. It is 
everything that somebody who loves to gab. Like our guy Luke. Shout out to Luke. Luke could talk about this movie for like eight hours. Easy. I'm sure he could. He could gnaw my ear off talking about all of these philosophical touchstones. Class. Yeah. But all these philosophical touchstones that are mixed in here. I mean, we if we wanted to and dive into it, we could be pulling up philosophers for centuries back that are having their opinions and views represented in this movie. And it's about... It's a great movie for a macro or micro perspective. It really is. It's, it talks about us as people and as a culture at a very large scale while also honing in on this one person's story. And that right there is highly intriguing to me. And I find it fascinating. And I would, I guess I would really, really love to see a follow-up. This is the type of movie where I don't always say that. I'd love to see a follow-up. What happened after he left? How did it go down? His life sucks because yeah. he'd never have a normal life. He's a celebrity. He's one of the, one of the most famous uh, people in the world. Okay. See, well, that yeah. alone, I'd just like to see that. I think it's rife with opportunity. So if I'm thinking that, I think this movie holds up. It definitely does. Man. Uh, you didn't talk enough about Peter Weir, in my opinion, who is just a genius mm. of film, fearless and dead poet society. Honorary um, Oscar coming. That's, uh, this, oh, is that right? Yeah, he's getting an honorary Oscar. Oh. Awesome. That's fantastic. And yeah. I mean, he gives us probably by far the most like observational film in terms of technicality. Every shot you you watch, you see the vignettes of the little button cams. You see the detail they put into making sure they're not cheating. And every camera has its place on a prop or an item everywhere. Uh, mm -hmm. I love how detail oriented it is. Story wise, I mean, it's kind uh, it's kind of like the final nail in the coffin of this. Capra-esque Eisenhower era artificiality and blindness. Um, but it's also uh, commenting on so much. We didn't talk about the very last scene after this super powerful emotional moment, the fucking two guys are like, all right, what else is on? And that right there is talking about, I mean, it's the fleeting nature of social interest. Like we're going to change the channel immediately when that's over and that's going to be yeah. the end of it. It's such a weird and, cruel film in my opinion imaginative mm -hmm. smart inspiring in an odd way uh, and it gives us a, fr a fresh approach to uh self-determination in a lot of ways that you didn't see in the late 90s uh i love the film i think it's a fucking joyous masterpiece on all levels holds up completely sweep. that is a clean sweep there you go derek you happy look at that a clean sweep for you here at the cinema nine awards for Good job, buddy. You did it. Well done, Derek. You happy? He's he's, he's frozen with the light. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, all the screens went black. I'm like, I guess we're done. And I was like, no, wait, that's that's me. That was a mic. <laughs> we did, yeah, we did, you, you were like frozen perfectly clear, so we were just talking to you for a while. <laughs> uh, uh, he's not yeah, Derek, yeah. Go to camera oh, three. God. <laughs> The button you game. get a new internet connection. You get a new camera. Look, Derek, you restart that computer. <laughs> you nailed it, Derek. This is an excellent choice for us to break yeah. down this film and talk about so many angles. Hell, oh, this yeah. we say this a lot, but we could talk a lot more. But we really, really could talk about this way, way, way more. But we'll leave it where we're at now. Derek, thank you so much for being on the show. It's been a pleasure again, as always. Of course, you're welcome back anytime. Pop goes your world. Yeah, Pop goes your world's your show. Anything else you want people to know about you before you say goodbye? 
So pop goes your world. Uh, our next one is a movie review of Lethal Weapon, and uh, oh, we, just, we just finished our. So I've talked before. We did our pop culture fantasy draft, and then after we do that, both of us pick a movie from that year to review. So mm. Chris picked uh, Lethal Weapon. We're going to do that, and then I think for my pick, we'll probably do Beverly Hills Cop too. But I'm not 100 wow. sold on that yet. Wow. Uh, it's a big favorite of mine that Chris is not a fan of, so it should create some interesting Terrible discussion. Film. And then. Uh, we're getting close to the end of the year. We usually have a few special shows coming into the holidays. Uh, so uh, if you if you haven't listened to our show before, check it out. And uh, if you are a fan of the show, we have lots of good stuff coming up. And uh, maybe in the not too distant future, we can have uh, one or more of you guys come on the show again. I know, Mike, you've been on the show a couple of times, so we'd love yeah. to have you on. Once. I've been on once, but yeah, I'd love to come back. Sure. <laughs> yeah, love sure. to get all of you guys. Drive it. These guys yeah, know. we'll bring the whole crew everything. on. Come on. we yeah! got a couple of guest, people, guest, uh, guest stars coming on our show in December and January already. So the more the merrier, right? Come on in. Absolutely. Amazing. Yes. Thank you, Derek. This has been fun. And don't yeah. forget, iPod at gmail.com. I also want to give a shout out to my father, Tim Govier, who has been listening and watching the show recently. He's up to date on it. And he said it was so hey, funny to hear Travis yep. sound. Travis was complaining about how he doesn't like to get his routine messed up. My dad got a kick out of that. He's like, Travis is he's like sounds like an older man now. It's funny. <laughs> I don't know what that meant or if it yes. Well, it's true, you are. But uh yeah, and he also He's like, you guys should do 12 Angry Men. I'm like, you ever seen that? Ooh, I'm like, of course I've it. seen that, Dad. Love but it. that's a, yeah. We, he's like, I don't know if you guys want to remake. Yeah, yeah, the original. Yeah. The original. Because that's, that's he was born 52. So uh, before we go, though, we got to find out what we'll do next week. And what is that going to be? You know, I chose this movie months ago because I had also, cho- like, I've kind of, usually I am not this well planned in advance but since the last last month was halloween i had my halloween movie picked out which means i had just more time to like think about this so i've known for a long time what i was going to pick here and i'm i always change it because i'm like well it's another 90s movie and it's another big blockbuster movie but (laughs) i'm going to stick with it and it's so funny to me how often it happens that despite the fact that i chose this movie months ago the movie came up randomly on this episode as oh no often happens it's so weird the movie, I'm talking. You go, we go, or we go. You wait, we go. Yeah, yeah, you go, we go. Here we go, Proby. That's right. We're doing backdraft from Dang. 